Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. Political satirist Mark Russell died in March at the age of 90. The National Comedy Center brought together folks to honor and celebrate his memory at an event in August at the center. Comedy Center Executive Director Journey Gunderson acted as MC for the event. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you for being here. I thought I should start by saying that we do have uh, an incredible team here. Uh, I'm Journey Gunderson, the Executive Director, and I am fortunate enough to uh, be at the podium and uh, enjoy these moments, but it's only possible with an incredibly hardworking team, and they're very knowledgeable. Uh, They're producers, they're archivists, we have PhDs, we have historians, curators, audio engineers, but we discovered today not one of us knows how to tie a bow tie. Not one person in the organization. So of all the things to panic about today, uh, which is a great uh, moment for me to acknowledge uh, Tom and Sue Benson. So if you're not aware, the president of the board of directors of the National Comedy Center is Tom Benson. And Sue Benson was my hero who tied this bow tie and his tonight. Without them both, the Comedy Center would not exist. So thank you so much, Tom and Sue. We are all here for one reason, and that is Mark Russell. Mark was a founding board member of the National Comedy Center. He became a close collaborator as we work to build this cultural institution that meant so much to him. I am so grateful, as is the team, for the role that he played in its development. You know, Mark is often called a political satirist. It's more appropriate to credit him as a key architect of that genre, and not just one of its practitioners. He reinvented political humor as we know it today. He ushered in a moment when it is not only one of the most popular forms of entertainment, but one of the most powerful forces for change. Political satire, when done well, can have a very real impact on the course of American history, and that is Mark Russell's legacy. Mark's work was nothing but fearless. He wasn't an outsider slinging jokes from afar. He was a true Washington insider with a working knowledge of politics that rivaled anyone on Capitol Hill. He skewered every president from Dwight Eisenhower to Joe Biden, and they listened when he spoke truth to power. Mark was too intelligent and too much of a showman to dismiss. Sometimes they even stole his jokes. Being stung by Mark Russell was a badge of honor. The world knew Mark for his beloved PBS specials and his six albums. He was as his Real People co-host, Byron Allen, put it, an American treasure. But Mark also logged one of the most rigorous live performance schedules of any comedian we know. He performed 100 times in 100 cities 
during a single year, think about that for a moment, and he performed his act in all 50 states, unvarnished no matter the politics of those in attendance. Even more impressive, no two shows were ever the same, each addressing the day's pressing headlines. Mark was a master craftsman. And on this evening, I am so proud to be announcing that Mark Russell's career archives will be joining the National Comedy Center's permanent collection, where they will be preserved and made accessible for generations to come. is of course the United States congressionally designated preservation home for comedy and Mark's work will join the collections of peers like George Carlin, Joan Rivers, Carl Reiner, Lucille Ball, Johnny Carson and more. Though Mark was modest about his creative process and he liked to say as many of you know that he had 100 writers in the Senate and 435 in the House of Representatives the truth is, he wrote his own material, and his archive is a time capsule of American politics that includes over 40 notebooks full of Mark's own handwriting, logging song lyrics, and diary-like reactions to world-changing events like Watergate and 9-11. The pages are dense and cross-referenced. This is incredible if you haven't seen it. In, to an ingenious cataloging system comprised of three Rolodex files. It's an incredible manifestation of Mark's unique artistic mind and voice. Please join me now in celebrating this landmark addition to our collections, which will allow us to educate people through comedy for generations to come. piece of Mark's work to our lyrical laughter exhibit, which celebrates the rich relationship history of comedy and music. A Candidate Political by Mark Russell, performed to the tune of Gilbert and Sullivan's Modern Major General, will now join works by artists like Mel Brooks, Weird Al Yankovic, Alan Sherman, Monty Python, the Smothers Brothers, and more. We hope you will tonight visit our archives team for an opportunity, a pretty special opportunity, to explore Mark's notebooks up close, alongside his signature red jacket and star-spangled bow tie, which are now entering our collections. The bow tie that I'm wearing in honor of Mark it's actually one of his own. And actually, both Sue Benson and Allie Russell tied it tonight. <laughs> it took us a few tries, which was an honor for me. We are so appreciative of those of you, especially here tonight, who have made contributions to support our nonprofit work and mission, and the mission that Mark believed in so much. Tonight we're offering original Mark Russell bow ties, thanks to Allie, including some autographed by Mark to those who would like to make a contribution in Mark's memory. So if that's of interest to you, feel free to find myself or anyone on staff after this event or contact us. Those funds will support the National Comedy Center's commitment to preserve and educate about comedic works that make informed comment about the politics of the moment, one of the most important roles comedy can play. This event in is in celebration of Mark, but also a testament to his lifelong commitment to the cultural landscape of Western New York. I'm honored to represent the National Comedy Center tonight alongside the Chautauqua Institution and Buffalo Toronto Public Media. Together, three organizations that have been woven throughout Mark's life. I know he'd be proud to see us united in this way 
as peer organizations. I'd like to acknowledge some special guests here tonight, including Mark's daughter, Monica Welch, and his extended family. Tonight, you may have already noticed that we are screening Mark Russell's America, a wonderful special highlighting Mark's career, produced by WNED and Lynn Bader, who is here with us today. And now, it is my pleasure to welcome President and CEO of Buffalo Toronto Public Media, Media Mr. Tom Calderon. It's always hard to follow a tall person when you're <laughs> podium like this. I do want to say one thing, and this is really important before I get to Mark. Please support this center, please. It is so important because it's not just about the walls. It's if the walls could talk, it is an amazing, an amazing center. And it's so important, particularly nowadays, to hear unfiltered comedy and speech and thought. So please, please, please support this center. I just have to say this. I want to thank Journey and Gary for inviting me to this. And also congratulations to, to Allie, Lewis Black, and Kelly for this. This is just amazing, and I know a lot of hard work. I was talking to Kelly beforehand, and just imagining what this is and where it is now, they just put a lot of hard work into it. So th thank you all for that. And my colleague Lynn Bader is here. Uh, Lynn, who worked with Mark so closely, she deserves a round of applause too, because she did an amazing job with Mark. So to steal from Journey earlier, it's, we're not just only proud, but it's a badge of honor to be the home of Mark Russell's work. His image is still all over the building. As a matter of fact, in our green room before we go live, I don't know if you know, we do the thing called Pledge. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, we see Mark as we walk out there, and uh, it's just so great to see his, uh, his image in our building. And outside our studios, right outside the street there, we have Mark Alley, uh, Mark Russell Way. And I may have stolen one of the signs I'd like to give to the center that's in my trunk right now, so <laughs> don't tell the DOT about that. So, you know, um, as anybody um, would get into comedy as a fan, it's usually driven by sometimes your parents or friends. For me, it was my parents. Monty Python was on the air. My dad said, I think you'll like this. And Mark Russell was must-see TV in my home. When I was in sixth grade, my dad handed me all the president's men and said, you've got to read this. So Mark was must-see TV, not only for the laughter. Yeah, some things maybe went over my head, but we actually had a great conversation around the dinner table about what Mark talked about, what he was making fun of, and why he was making fun of it. So in a way, you know, not only did, for me personally, my comedy chops, in a way, uh, funny guy at the office, came to be was because hearing Mark's timing and, and hearing to challenge what's going on in the world, and that was just so important. So to be here and to represent Buffalo Toronto Public Media with Mark's work is just so important to me. What's also important to me is, uh, I think like many of you, you wanna get the, in a sense, the uh, validation from your parents, right? That you, you need validation from your parents in any sort of job you get into. For me, not to necessarily go through my alphabet soup of my resume, but I worked at MTV and VH1 and Spotify, and my parents were like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, great, nice. Well, I'm gonna introduce them to Britney Spears. I mean, they didn't care. When I got the job at Buffalo Toronto Public Media, uh, I called them up, and they had some friends over, and I said, hey, by the way, I got the job at Buffalo Toronto Public Media. My dad put the phone down, he goes, hey, guess what? Tommy's working at the Mark Russell building. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Now my parents appreciate it, so thank you, Allie. Mark now has made me credible to them. By the way, Allie, great shirt. I mean, that's from his 90th birthday, right? So all I want to say is thank you, Allie, for the gift of Mark and, 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 and having him as so incredibly great partnership that we've had with both of you. Do know that you have a 
key to our building at any time. Please do not be a stranger. But more importantly, all of his work besides here is on our YouTube channel. So please take a look at it and just kind of go down memory lane and, uh, and have a smile and a laugh because that's what Mark, all this Mark wanted from all of us. So thank you for that. And now I can actually say to my parents, I kind of opened up for Lewis Black. So now I'm in a whole nother stratosphere. Thank you, Ali. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Minister Thomas. interview for our oral history collections and uh, this includes special footage of him performing on the grounds of Chautauqua Institution. We worked closely with Deborah and her team to make this happen safely during a very tricky period so that Mark could be performing on a piano and also we could shoot a Zoom interview conversation with he and Lewis Black. So you can see that in our first gallery uh, tonight so don't miss that before you leave or it's also available online at the Comedy Center website. But uh, that was just one of many times we've collaborated with Chautauqua to celebrate good comedy. And now it's my pleasure to introduce the Senior Vice President and Chief Programming Officer of Chautauqua Institution, Deborah Sonia Moore. Thank you, Journey, and thank you, National Comedy Center. It is such an amazing honor to just touch this collaboration that, that is honoring this amazing man. I think of that night journey that you just mentioned where we were there during the pandemic uh, doing this uh, uh, amazing recording with Mark. And we, of course, were trying to follow all the rules, keep it quiet, keep it tight, no audience, there is no keeping it quiet when Mark Russell is involved. <laughs> we had community members starting to line up because everyone wanted to be a part of that joy and that humor that was Mark. I am so excited to be a part of this representing Chautauqua Institution, representing our current president, Michael Hill, our past president, Tom Becker, who I, I just saw over here. And at Chautauqua, I was introduced to Mark on the amphitheater stage. And you've heard what a master craftsman he is. You've heard about his legacy as a satirist. And what I want to share is that he also has a legacy as a community member, as a friend, as a connector, as someone that had a relationship to each one of you here. And at Chautauqua Institution, our mission is to explore the best in human values. And from the first time I saw Mark, I feel that's what he does. There is political satire that stings with a bit of vitriol. And there is political satire that gets to the heart of something that speaks truth but also has joy. And in this world that tends to go more and more towards vitriol, I feel like we have to remember what Mark did from the stage was to poke fun, was to sting, but to do it towards some greater good. And I see that with all of you gathered, that that will also be what continues to connect our organizations and what continues to connect this legacy, not just of excellence, not just of humor, not just of artistry, but of just pure human goodness. I think of how uh, his relationships extended to Buffalo and WNED, and how at Chautauqua, we knew him not only for his performance on the big stage, right, the amphitheater stage, but he was so generous with his time. He would perform for and give presentations for all of our community groups. He would do this out of the graciousness of his heart. And I remember when Mark passed, I went back and watched not only the beautiful PBS show, but all sorts of things online. And one of them, I believe it was at our Hebrew, uh, our, our, with our Hebrew congregation. And he told this story. And the story was about him and Allie and how they came from, let's say, different faith traditions. And he talked about meeting the Pope and that they were prepared and they went down and he explained that they, uh, 
He shook the Pope's hand, and as they left, he shared that Allie whispered to them walking down the aisle. She said, your mother is smiling. <laughs> My mother is having a cow. <laughs> and I think, let's take this, not just Mark, but Mark and Allie. Yours is a love story. And yours is a love story that we should hold up as our love story. That there's one mother smiling and one mother having a cow because we're here and here. And yet there they were holding hands through life. And let's lift up this love story as a way of being, as a way of being together and laughing together, regardless of what we're thinking during the day. We have something truly good that not only Mark has left us, but Mark and Allie, and let this legacy continue through you and through us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deborah. Uh, it's only fitting, because the National Comedy Center was built to be a place where the comedy community could come together. Before I bring up uh, your next speaker, Kelly Carlin, it's only appropriate that I share this moment that happened hosted by a party uh, with Kelly Carlin. Uh, during our grand opening weekends, it was one of the first times I witnessed that dream of what the Comedy Center could be coming true. I was walking W. Kamau Bell, one of the great social commentators of today, uh, to the gathering for our grand opening, and I'm telling him who's going to be there, and it's a murderer's row of the greats in comedy, great uh, creators and writers. Alan Zweibel, first original head writer of the first six seasons of Saturday Night Live, Louis Black, Kelly Carlin, all of these people are there. And I said, and comedian Mark Russell. And Kamau stopped and said, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I said, oh, you're familiar with Mark Russell, of course, and he said, he is literally one of the reasons that I am even doing comedy. And that's before we walked into the room. Uh, the result of that meeting uh, was the following quote that I can't do justice to without quoting exactly. So this is from National Comedy Center Advisory Board member W. Kamau Bell, and he provided this upon Mark's passing this spring. When I met Mark Russell, I surprised myself how excited I was to meet him. As a kid who grew up with a mom who made sure that PBS was on our TV as much as any other channel, Mark's comedy clearly got into my brain and rewired it. He taught me that comedy could be more than just funny and disposable. He showed that comedy could maybe even be more effective at speaking truth to power if you made sure people walked out humming along to the truth speaking. And he never stopped working because the point is to keep writing the jokes until the jokes fix the problems. In his honor, I will keep writing the jokes. W. Kamau Bell. And now please join me in welcoming one of the greatest connectors in the comedy community, our very own Kelly Carlin. Hi everyone, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. This is just so beautiful to see the faces. I just want to share some personal reflections I have about Mark. Um, so, like most of you, I met Mark through the portal of PBS, um, and I was thinking about it, and I never, even when Mark was alive, I was like, I never remember my dad exactly what, how that happened, but I'm, I know I wasn't like perusing PBS by myself. I know my parents must have sat me down, it's like, we're watching this together, or something like that, and it makes perfect sense to me, because Mark was one of those artists that my dad thoroughly admired. You know, people like Danny Kaye, who had the gift of the gab, and, and the musicality, like my dad had musicality in his comedy too. Um, and of course, I'm, I think, you know, the, uh, as my dad used to say, you don't look it off the rocks, kid. Uh, I'm a sucker for anything musical and clever, and at times biting, and of course, speaking the uncomfortable truth about others, and to others, and, and of course, to myself. Uh, 
But that's the thing about Mark and about satirists in general and comedians, that someone who can make you laugh at yourself or your tribe when we're talking politics, I believe is doing the most important work on earth. Anything that makes us get over our own self-importance just a little bit is really, really important. And although we often talk about comedians, certainly as um, the fool or the court jester, uh, as uh, I think Anna Devere Smith was speaking about that on Tuesday, actually, on the Chautauqua stage. Mark was actually that person. He was the court jester, as people have mentioned. He was in the beast of the belly. I mean, it's just the, the, the courage to stand up in front of and, and, and do this work, you know, rubbing shoulders with everyone, like they said. But his refusal to keep silent about the hypocrisy of the politics or that town or our culture, even. But more importantly, he invited us all to gather around the piano and come together and take off our masks and just laugh at ourselves. As long as everyone was fair game, we were all in the grand experiment together with him. My first official year at Chautauqua was 2017, and Journey mentioned that. I have a, a thing that I do in Los Angeles where I invite a bunch of comedians and musicians and people to my house and we just hang out. And so I knew I wanted to replicate that at Chautauqua. And so I gathered our group of ragtag comedians on the porch, that, uh, the house that we had rented on Hearst that year, my little new comedy family. And uh, we were all gathered there because we were doing this incredible programming all week. Um, and I knew very little bit, uh, very little about Chautauqua. I was, you know, the first time I visited, I thought, I don't know what the pill is that everyone has taken here. <laughs> the blue pill or the red pill, I wasn't sure which one. A part of me wanted to take the pill too. The other part was like, get me the fuck out of here. But I took the pill. <laughs> but um, the thing I did know and I was excited about, because the comedians weren't sure either. You know, you, you drive them onto this property and it's all these Victorian things and it's Methodist, they all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And So I wanted to let them know it's safe. We have the tribe, and uh, comedians are orphans. Comedians are loners, those who have to travel on the road, like, like Mark, my dad. You look at his schedule, and you can look at his schedule, actually, here in the museum. It's in the archives. It's in, it's in his little thing. He was gone hundreds of days a year, you know. So they're normally orphans and loners uh, because of the nature of their work, but when they get together, magic happens. And I have to say, one of the fondest memories of my life, which will be forever, not my life, just the fondest memory, um, will be the glow, the magical glow of that night on that porch where we had Mark, W. Kamau Bell, Louis Black, Alan Zweibel, and David Steinberg, and we, those of us who, who weren't in that, that list, um, just got to watch them when they come together and um, tell stories, find connections of people that they knew, give each other shit really bad, which is really fun, um, or just their insight into the state of the world. It was, it was one of those moments when you're watching it, you're going, this is, magic. And everyone who was on that porch, there were neighbors that night, we befriended all of our Chautauqua neighbors, and of course we were too loud for Chautauqua, uh, but everyone who was there, friends, family, uh, we still talk about it. Um, but Mark was not only a great performer, he was also a great audience member. He didn't have to be the fan funniest man in the room, he let you jump into the sandbox with him. He was very generous with his laugh. 
He had those laughing Irish eyes, although I'm guessing Russell is Scottish, technically. But he did, and one of the greatest joys of my life, as you can imagine, was always making funny people laugh. And I had no idea, he never just had no idea like what's gonna happen in that moment or how, how someone's gonna react to something. And I don't know, one day I just accidentally fell into my valley girl accent, and Mark lost it. Like, like, like bigger laughter than I ever, ever imagined. Um, and I was like, hmm, this is kind of fun and interesting. And I don't even know what I said. I just like tennis, said it in this accent like that, you know what I mean? And so as his health began to decline and I knew there was less and less time, I knew that every time I saw him, whether on Zoom or in person, um, all I would need to do is, you know, like talk about whatever, you know, I could talk about like the weather or mangoes or, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm just feeling like kind of weird today. Um, and he just, I mean, he would like fall off his chair laughing. And so I just want to honor Mark tonight by saying, oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe that you're gone. <laughs> Like, where the fuck are you? <laughs> and like, like, whatever, but uh, we miss you. Bye, Mark. Time friend of both Allie and Marks, the former president of Chautauqua Institution, Tom Becker, would you join us and say a few words? Thank you, Journey. I'm going to get back at you for this. Uh, good evening, everyone. I'm, yeah, where the fuck is he? I didn't get to say that at Chautauqua. I just had the pleasure of saying that to you. Freedom, it's a good thing. Uh, but he is, it always struck me as way too spectacular to ever die. And, uh, and he won't because of this brilliant place that you all have put together here. And uh, so thank you for all of that. My, um, one of the great privileges of Chautauqua is you end up having these uh, dinners and gatherings with people from all over the world doing all kinds of wonderful things. And one of my favorite evenings in the, on the president's, in the president's cottage was, a, was an evening that had Jim Lair and Mark uh, Shields and Mark Russell. And the three of them uh, were like Curly, Moe, and you know, <laughs> They, they had timing that went into their exchanges that was just really something, but it was really interesting if you stayed there long enough, you had so much political knowledge and history and awareness, and, uh, and Shields is a funny man too, and, and Jim actually, surprisingly, has a wonderful sense of humor, and, but the two of them, we're far more invested in the subject matter itself and in observations. And Mark, being the creative weird kid in the corner, uh, managed to take what they were talking about and find that weird twist, you know, just the right combination of, of syntax and, and, you know, vulgarity, and, uh, and make them laugh. And, and that went on all night uh, to Jane's great dismay because she was trying to get him to the table. Um, but, it, but it's an example, I think, of, of just how, in, in Mark Russell, how deep the intellectual power was and uh, what a huge heart he had because he was really one of the most romantic people on the face of the earth and how clever and how that wit is a true gift of God. I mean, he just saw things, right? It makes you think about 
what he would do currently. You can imagine, a, for example, a political perp walk in Florida where he <laughs> weave it into the battle hymn of the Republic, right? <laughs> That's the kind of inventive collaboration he uses to, it, to express himself. And that business of observation is true of them and of really almost all really great, both political activists, uh, sincere people who are trying to get things done, the ability to not only put out, but to take in, to really observe what is there. I ran into um, a piece by John Ruskin. You, I know it'll shock you to know I was reading uh, Modern Painters by John Ruskin. Don't ask me why, I'm retired. So, uh, but one of the things that he said that I want to share with you is that the greatest thing a human soul does in this world is to see something, to see clearly. To see clearly is poetry, prophecy, and religion all in one. And that's what Mark was doing. I want to close this by saying that one of his best observations was across a crowded room many years ago when he locked on to Allie. And it was literally love at first sight for both of them. And they haven't been apart really since then. And they're not apart now. And that love affair was uh, a gift to all of us who cared for Mark and who cared for Allie and who care, really, just who care, right? And observe the human condition, because it's an extraordinary love affair. And then one more quote from um, The Song Is You, finishes with the lines, the music is sweet, the words are true, the song is you. speaker, your official host of the evening, is to uh, pick up with the theme of breaking the rules and freedom by saying that one of those porch parties, my favorite visual recollection of Mark Russell laughing, was a porch party in which, as you can imagine, there was raucous laughter, and suddenly, before we knew it, the yellow shirts on bicycles swarmed. <laughs> And we scattered like a college kid party being broken up. I told an intern, tell them this is your party, I'm going out the back. <laughs> Lewis, I think, stood there laughing and saying, who are you, how old are you, 14? To one of the police officers or security people. And I have this recollection of looking at Mark who just sat there in the midst of all the chaos, laughing and laughing and laughing. Uh, and so with that, Please now join me in welcoming the chair of the National Comedy Center's Advisory Board, Lewis Black. Well, I, I think they did a great job. <laughs> Everything that I worked on Gone. <laughs> I thought I was going to host it. That's what I was told. So I didn't figure I'd have to follow. Oh, I've got this to say, and uh, this is really important, and this is remarkable, and I can't tell you how much I can possibly express and show the human emotion that I have. I thought I was going to burst. <laughs> it's a real setback. They come up here at the end, and they all got notes. Did you notice that? And I was fine without notes until I noticed that they all had notes, and they said, I'm a, I'm a fucking moron. Um, and I, um, I, this is really difficult, <laughs> because, uh, <coughs> I talk to, uh, they call you, they call me, but they're not, they didn't call you and say, what was your 
feelings about Mark Russell. If that were the case, I wouldn't have to do this this evening. <laughs> but they, they, would, they would call and they ask you uh, about your feelings. So you can't sit on the phone and really, you can talk about what would be effect. Um, you, but you have to do it with a lucidity and with a control of your emotions. And I did a lot of that this week and a lot when Mark had passed. And um, so this is the first time I've really uh, talked to people about him. Um, if you are people, <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder if I'm imagining all this. <laughs> and uh, so I really, uh, I, I find it hard to find him the words um, <coughs> to express <coughs> what it is that I felt about him, um, what's spending, what service do you have? <laughs> because uh, I can't get a fucking signal. <laughs> I, I can't describe what it was like um, to meet him, to you, in a, in, a, in a way that would really express what my feelings are about that. Um, he, he wasn't a hero of mine. He was someone that I thought was remarkable. Um, uh, he wasn't a hero because he was a real person. He was, had a real presence. It wasn't this sense of him <clears throat> being distant. Heroes are distant. Heroes are the idiots who go, we're going over the wall and we're all gonna die, follow me. <laughs> Those are heroes. And people who end up in that position, Mark was not that. Mark was a presence and uh, his comedy had a, a, an effect on me which I didn't really understand until later on uh, because it was one of the things that when it came to me doing um, stand-up and uh, going from being a playwright to becoming a stand-up that I knew part of it was all about, uh, gonna be about politics. And he was the first one that really showed me the way and that I went, oh, I can, I get that, I can follow that. But he had something I, I would never have, uh, which uh, is, he brought it that, I forget who said it, joy to the stage. Not my strongest suit. <laughs> and there's a real power huge power, much more so I feel than yelling and screaming. Um, it, it has a bite of its own. It makes a huge difference because he's done with this big grin. And meanwhile, he's singing. He's literally the guy, I realized this the other day, he was the guy that was uh, you know, singing on the deck as the Titanic was going down. <laughs> And, uh, and still playing away, okay, here's another asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he had, in extreme, he had wit. There's a word, you can go through this whole, you can go through from beginning to end. And I can, if I stood here, I could name four people in this building who are comedians who have wit. Wit is a totally different thing. It's an intelligence that is so refined. Um, it is stunning. And George Carlin was great. Um, Richard Pryor was great. There were all of these great comics. None of them had wit. They had a great sense of comedy, a great sense of what funny is. Mark had wit. Mark had whimsy. Who the fuck has whimsy? <laughs> I, he held on to it for that long. 
you got to imagine, he's looking, he's in Washington, D.C., watching these people on a daily basis and maintain that whimsy. That's impossible. <laughs> it really is. Once again, too, it's another, it's another kind of, I felt that uh, with his wit and his whimsy and his joy, that he, what he did was he went after these people and he just did these paper cuts. And the whole song, he was just taking little paper cuts of them. So by the, the end, the person that he started talking about was now indistinguishable. You couldn't remember who he was. All you remembered was Mark in that fucking bow tie <laughs> and that smile. Um, and to have him, as Kelly had said, you know, uh, for me to be on the stage and to talk with, and we'd see him in the audience, there's certain jokes that I have, and, uh, and that I know that a lot of folks in Chautauqua, it, it's going to be like, they're going to, the jokes that just fly over their heads. Fly. Okay? You can laugh at that. Laugh at yourselves. Not me. Oh, no, I don't know. Um, and, and that was, um, and so during those, I'd look at him and to see if I it was really funny, or the people who were looking up in the sky, uh, you know, were right. And he, when he laughed, it, it meant the world to me. Um, and I, uh, I, I could go on and on, but I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> there are important things to be said about food, um, but I'm. I'm, I'm I want you. Uh, I want to say something that I think is important, and I thought about this today when I when I got up. Um, the, there is a way I believe to honor Mark's memory um, and would make a difference. And I don't know if I'm the person who should present this, but uh, I've, I, I had colic as a child, and I've never shut my mouth. <laughs> and the fact is, is that I believe that if if Chautauqua, which has done uh, comedy weeks, um, would would see fit to um, to to do those weeks and to do it every year. Yeah. Um, because it's not separate in any way, shape, or form from anything else that occurs. All you got to do is figure out what's going to be talked about that year, and then bring in 20 or 10 or 12 comics from the other the writers, all the people who know what the funny is about it. They're out there. There's 1,200, 1,500, 2,000 of them. I'd like to be the guy who crosses a couple of those bastards off the list. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, and I believe that it, um, because Mark's relationship to talk with, he was your comedian. He was the comedian there. As hard as I tried to push him out of the way, <laughs> he was the guy. And, uh, and he remained, maintained uh, his relationship to it. He did not leave. His loyalty is extraordinary. Um, it's another thing I admire, his love of buffalo beyond my comprehension. <laughs> but his, once again, his loyalty, um, it makes sense to do this. The Mark Russell Comedy Week at Chicago. Thank you.
And finally, I would like to welcome one of the National Comedy Center's most instrumental supporters and all of our closest friends. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Ali Russell. and the National Comedy Center are very important to me and were very important to Mark. All were places we spent much time. First at WNED, the producers of his television show, then later at Chautauqua, where he loved being on that stage. And finally here, where he was honored to be a part of the founding advisory board. I thank you, Journey, Becca, Gary, and everyone who, worked at the, who works at the Comedy Center. And Deborah, Sinea Moore, and Tom Becker, both from Chautauqua, and Tom Calderon of WNED, for their collaboration to make tonight's event possible. And also Kelly and Lewis, who have blessed me with the most wonderful friendship. You mean the world to me. Mark would have been stunned, amazed, and delighted by tonight. And thank you all, all of you, for coming this evening and for, for supporting all three of these wonderful institutions. Mark and I did, and I will continue to do so, and I hope you will do too. And finally, Dostoevsky said, one can know a man from his laugh, and if you like a man's laugh before you know anything of him, you may confidently say that he is a good man. Thank you very much. Thank you. 